Well, good morning. Oh, Chris is. Well, good morning. All right, you try. <laughs> All right, good morning. It's good to see you today. While you're still buzzing, why don't you stand and greet some folks around you, and then we'll come right into baptism right after that. So let's stand together. Welcome each other. All right, if you go ahead and have a seat, we'll get started this morning. Well, it is good seeing you here today. And without further ado, uh, what a great way to start the morning than with baptism. So I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Chris, and then we'll be back for the call to worship in just a second. Yes. Test, 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 test. Test, test, test. It's on. We'll see if, uh, well, y'all can hear me. The live stream may be able to hear me in just a moment. The microphone's on for those in the back. So test, test, test. I'll switch and I'll see if this green one works better. Test, test, test. I don't know. We'll see. Y'all can hear me. He'll see if they fix it. But as they work on that, it is with great joy that we get to start with a baptism this morning. And I get to present to you Miss Abby Dobbs. Uh, she's met with me a while back, her family, and she is excited to share with you that she is trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of her sins. And we're excited. We've got a lot of her friends up here. And it kind of reminds me of in Scripture, it talks about how there is a celebration in heaven over every sinner that comes to faith. And so, Abby, you've got a lot of friends up here, and you've got friends down here that are celebrating and excited to share in this baptism. So this is Abby Dobbs, uh, who's met with me and is coming for baptism. This is her dad, Stephen. This is Alicia, uh, her family. If there are others, if there's friends or anybody else that wants to come up here closer, you're welcome to come up closer. You're welcome uh, to be there. But uh, Miss Abby, I've got one question for you this morning. In whose name have you trusted for the forgiveness of your sins? Jesus. Amen. Amen. So based on her profession of faith, we are going to baptize her. And I'm going to hand this over to John and y'all are going to listen. And the Holy Spirit that we will baptize. Are you going to put your hand up? You ready? 
And so let's have a prayer now for Abby and for her family. Father God, we rejoice in the new faith that Abby is displaying and showing and, and telling to the church this morning. I thank you for her faith and her heart, her excitement to come forward and to share with us that she is trusted in you, that she's walking with you, that she loves you, that she's found forgiveness in Jesus. And so we celebrate this morning. We lift up Abby to you. We give her to you. Uh, we just thank you for her faith and her heart. I thank you for Stephen and Alicia and their love for you, and their faithfulness to you, and their faithfulness to our church, uh, to be here, to serve, to give back to children and families in our church uh, through the gifts and talents that you've given them. So bless them as they continue to teach and raise and instill your faith, your love into Abby. Uh, pray over us. I pray as a church that we will continue to invest in Abby and just see her faith grow and grow. We're excited to see all that you have for her and how you're going to use her in your kingdom. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a great way to start our service. And we'll give these a couple of minutes to get settled in. But if you've got your announcements, uh, before you'll notice school is starting back this week. Uh, the frowns of the students, the smiles of the parents, and uh, we'll pray for them in just a few moments as well. Uh, but you'll notice all the things even going on this, af this afternoon with the WMU. Uh, Alan asked me, the Sons of Thunder, if you're a, a guy in here and you'd like to be a part of that, uh, please sign up for that. Also, if, you're, if you know how to fry fish, that would be helpful to know as well. Uh, so, so some of our uh, folks who usually do that are not available. So if that's something in your wheelhouse, uh, let Alan Perry, where's Alan? He's out somewhere visiting, uh, greeting folks. But let him know that. Well, let's join together for our call to worship uh, this morning. You can read along with me if you would like or, uh, or listen and meditate on it as well. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be re revealed in the last time. Let's pray together, if you would join me. And I just want to just pinpoint some prayer items for us this morning. Many of you know that uh, Rita Foster passed away over the weekend, wife of our minister of music and the traditional service, so please pray for them. As I mentioned before, uh, our students are starting school back tomorrow, and many of you, or tomorrow this week, we have several schools represented. But this week, many of you are teachers, faculty, administrators, and our students as they start back. Some of you are, are sending your, your child to college. Some of them have already been, been gone, going to college, so pray for them. And then we are just pray for uh, Dr. Rick Lance as he leads us uh, today. Uh, we thank you for being here today. He's the executive director of the Alabama State Baptist, so we welcome you uh, here today. So let's pray together, would you? Just take a moment in silence just to lift up those concerns we've already mentioned and maybe some on your own heart.
Lord, we do come to you today. And Lord, thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for, for just the faith expressed by Abby this morning. And Lord, I do pray as Chris has prayed that you would just continue to let her grow in the things of you. Lord, we come to a time when school's just around the corner. And Lord, I pray for a great year in our community and our county with schools as they start back. Lord, I pray for students and administrators and faculty that you would just give them the boldness from on high, just to stand in love, to share the gospel of who you are. Lord, we do lift up Ronnie and family and the passing of Rita. And Lord, we thank you that there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, uh, that there's just rejoicing for her. But I pray for, for those of us and family that are, that are behind that uh, you can just give us the strength and the peace that only you can give us. Lord, lift up Dr. Lance to you and just the words that he has prepared for us this morning. Just speak through him uh, and let it challenge and convict us. Lord, we give you this time. In name we pray. Amen. We'll have our scripture reading at this point. Today's reading comes from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before that great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Let's continue to worship in song. Let's stand. Let's worship the Lord with everything that we are. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Always makes a way And you're upon 
song and it's called You've Already Won. It's a song that was written by Shane and Shane and um, I just think it's a fitting song even with the passing of our special friend Rita because it talks about that we're going to have trials in this life. God never promised that we would not have trials but we have them from a place of victory because there's coming a day that each one of us will see the face of Jesus. And we will know that the afflictions and the trials in this life pale into comparison to what's in store for us for all of eternity. So I hope you'll sing this with gusto. I know this is a new song, but I think you're gonna absolutely love the words and the lyrics. And we've won only because of the cross of Jesus Christ and because of what he has done on the cross, amen?
that's mine today that Jesus Christ is one so I can face tomorrow from tomorrow's in your hands and all I need you will provide just like you
All we can do this morning is praise God for his goodness and his faithfulness to us. Amen.
faithfulness in our lives. We thank you for the goodness that only comes from you, Father. And I pray as Dr. Lance comes and brings the message, Father, that you would speak and teach and preach through him, Father, and that the word that he has from your word will come to hearts that are ready to hear and ready to receive, but, Father, ultimately ready to obey. So, Father, do a work in us today as we hear your word preached. May it fall on teachable hearts. And we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> thank you, worship leaders. Well, good morning to all of you. <clears throat> oh, come on. You're not that asleep, are you? Good morning, everyone. Reminds me of Vacation Bible School. Good morning, boys and girls. Oh, I am really pleased to be back with you. I was in the earlier service, of course. I've always loved your pastor and the fact that he came off vacation and to be with a service this morning with Ronnie and family, we, I see that as a true indication of a pastor's heart. He's led this church well through the years, more than 20 years now. It's been a delight to see him do that. I want to thank you for being a part of the Alabama Baptist family and the fact that you give through the cooperative program. I want to tell you, if you want to be everywhere, anywhere, everywhere, 365 days out of the year, 24-7, through the, giving through the cooperative program helps you do that. Now, I want to tell you, I want to confess, I made that statement to a church well, I won't tell you where. And I got the numbers all tangled up. And I said, 324, 365 day, hours out of the day. And when I finished that, I said, well, if I do that very much, I can run for president. <laughs> so I, I really try to tune that up every time I be able to say that. And, but I, we are delighted that you're a part of the family. And you are a vital part of pace setting church. I'd like to invite your attention to just one verse this morning. It's a key verse, but I didn't discover it until just a short time ago. One night I was having trouble sleeping. That, that's not that uncommon for me. And when you're younger, enjoy your sleep. And when you're a little older, you need more rest, probably less sleep, but sleep is very important for all of us. But I, I just felt compelled to get up and read, and I was reading through the Gospel of Luke for some reason. And I came across chapter 12, verse 32, and I, heard, I read these words, and I thought about them anew and afresh. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, in that moment, I just... That was a stop sign in the Bible for me. I thought, wow, don't be afraid. Why? 
little flock. Well, if you have a flock, you also have a shepherd. And if you have a father, father's good pleasure, you have children. And if there's a kingdom, there's a king. Well, as I looked at it, I thought, this is not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but it gave me a picture of God together, those three views, those three pictures of God that warmed my heart early that morning. So today, let's admit it, to some degree, admit it, you have some fears. You can call it worry, you can call it concern, but you have fears. That's being a human being. And, and we know that the Bible says we're not to fear, but we're human. Jesus and also the entirety of Scripture, old and new, there are so many declarations, so many exclamations about being in a state of not fearing, but depending upon the Lord. Easier said than done, I would imagine. So I've come to this conclusion. If we cannot overcome our fears, which is hard to do, then we need to learn how to cope with our fears while we depend upon Him. Now, someone can test me on that if they wish. When I was in seminary back in the 19th century, I was asked in a group to be able to develop five of my greatest fears. And I thought, well, I could go longer than five, so I had to narrow it down. You may know that one of the greatest fears that people have is public speaking. And as a young boy being called to preach, I was so shy, I had to admit that that was one of my greatest fears. Back then, we had big pulpits, and you could stand behind them, and people wouldn't see your knees knocking together. Well, I had a lot of that. But there are other fears, and I'll tell you one of mine that continues through life and get, getting worse as age comes on, and that's claustrophobia. I do not like being in airplanes. Used to, it didn't bother me as much. Today, it does. I don't like elevators. When they shut that door in the elevator, you know what the first thing comes to my mind? The power is going to go out, and I'm stuck with these people here in this elevator, and all, all of that begins to just like the walls are moving in. And I have this recurring dream at times that I'm in a coffin, but I'm not dead, and I'm trying to get out. So that's a phobia, a fear that you have to deal with. You don't have to deal with it, but I do. You may have all kinds of fears. This is not a therapy session. I'm not going to ask you, let's have one over here, one here, one there, one there. Stand up and tell me what your greatest fear is. Let's just generalize and say, when Jesus said, do not be afraid, he's talking to you, to you, to you, to you, and definitely me. So why are we not to be afraid? Why is it we can be peaceful and in a state in which our being is not overcome by fear to where we can't cope with it? Because we have a great God, a good God as we've been singing about. Therefore, let's look at these snapshots of God in the Bible. First, God is our shepherd who protects us. If you have a shepherd like we see the images of in the Bible over and over again, again in Old Testament, New Testament, we had shepherds. Now, this morning when you got in the car and you came here this morning, 
you did not follow or see any sheep in the road or on the side of the road or in the pasture somewhere. You'd have to go to certain places where they have that kind of sheep herding business as it is. But in the Old, Old Testament days, New Testament days, we know David was a shepherd. We know that sheep and shepherd, they were everywhere. It still is true in the land of the Bibles now. In fact, one of my first, my first trip to Israel, Bible lands, I, I had the bus to stop when I saw a shepherd on the side of the road over there and this little sheep around, there looked like about 20 of them. And I said, I want to go off and talk to that shepherd. Well, there were 40 of us, and about 20 of them got off with me. I didn't mean for them to come, but I'm glad the interpreter did because I don't speak Hebrew. So I came up to this shepherd, and I began asking him. I said, well, first of all, how many sheep do you have? And he said, 21. Then I said, well, I've read in Scripture that you know your sheep. And it through the translator, next thing you know, he's calling out names, and every one of those little sheep just started raising their heads. And they were waiting on him to beckon to him, to come to me. So I said, well, I, and, all right, I, I've heard, I've read in Scripture, you know your sheep, and they hear your voice, and they follow you. And then he let out some kind of shrill, I mean, I will not embarrass myself trying to imitate it, but it was the most... I, I didn't know a human being could do that. And all of a sudden, those little sheep made a race toward him. We had to get out of the way. He began feeding them treats in his hand, and he would reach over and love on them. And they just snuggled close to him, almost like a child would do to a mother. And I took a mental picture of that. I've never forgotten it. But we also know, many of you, some of you are old enough to remember the books by Philip Keller, and other books that follow. Anything, anytime you study something on Psalm 23, you're going to be reminded of this. Sheep are not very smart. They tend to not have much of a direction. They don't have a GPS in them. And they, therefore, they have to have a shepherd who is their GPS. And they're, they're prone to wander, as the old song says. And in fact, the Old Testament tells us very poignantly, we all are like sheep, and we tend to go our own way. That's a picture of who we are. We tend to be aimless, purposeless. All we're doing is doing what's in front of us, and that's exactly the picture of sheep. They will eat and eat, and then they will find themselves right around predators, and they are exactly zoned out. They do not know they're in danger. But the shepherd knows. And that's why he has a rod and he has a staff for protection and direction. And the shepherd knows that it's his role, his job to protect his sheep. When Jesus used that as a major descriptor of who he is, he said, I am the good shepherd. He went on to say, not like the hireling in our terminology would clock in, clock out, just hire to take care of the sheep. These are my sheep, and I protect my sheep. In fact, he says, I give my life for my sheep. And we have a picture of the cross, our good shepherd dying on the cross for his sheep. And therefore, we know that no matter what kind 
of situation we face, no matter how much in the way of fears we may encounter, no matter what our vicissitudes or struggles are in life, we have a good shepherd who is there to give protection and direction. That is who God is. Jesus is our good shepherd. There's a second picture. Father. Father. Think about that for a moment. There are all kinds of pictures of fatherhood. But today, the term father is not always positive. In fact, you can be around a certain segment, demographic of our society of growing up in formative years, and teenagers might not have a father figure in the home. Therefore, there's a big difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day. You know what we do in Mother's Day. We get all sentimental, and it's rightly so. We love our mothers, and the family goes out to eat, and the dad pays for it. What do we do on Father's Day? Father's Day, they all get together. Dad goes out, they go out to eat, and dad pays for it. <laughs> Not a lot of sentimentality there. But yet, we know that our God is our Heavenly Father. He provides for us. I have a dear friend who... Growing up, he didn't have a father figure in his home. In fact, his mother had married three times. She was an addict, three living boyfriends, and he didn't know who his father was. He went to a youth ministry meeting where a friend had invited him, and the youth minister, very precocious as he is, he was taking the Lord's Prayer, and he was beginning it phrase by phrase, just taking it and studying it, squeezing out all the truth you can get from it. And he started, of course, with our Father who art in heaven. Then he did something unusual. He said, some of you may not like your father. We do have deadbeat dads and absentee fathers. Men know how to Create, help create babies, but oftentimes they don't know how to address and embrace the role of a father. He said, you may not like your father, and some of you may not even know who your father is. But that's really not that important. What is important is if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a heavenly Father who will always be there for you. He's not absentee. He knows what his role is, his responsibilities are, and he provides for you every step of the way. And despite the fact that you might have a bum for an earthly father or you do not even know who your father is, you have a heavenly father who will never leave you or forsake you. That's just who he is. Years ago, we had a partnership with Guatemalan Baptist, and uh, I want to tell you one of my, I have many regrets in life. One of them is I didn't, te- I didn't take Spanish. For some reason, when I was coming along, they told me as a student of the Bible, I needed to take German. Well, that was good years before because all the theological works, many of the great ones, were in German. Well, when I was coming along, they were already translated into German, but uh, the teachers didn't get the memo. And so I took German. I sat in a 
a lab, a language lab, learning German, listening to, yes, speeches of Adolf Hitler. And my, was he a maniac. He sounded like it. And he was one, megalomaniac. And I, so I took German, but I've, I've always wished now that I'd taken Spanish. So I don't know Spanish, but here I am in Guatemala. And you know, I have translators and, and I have interpreters. But I got the bad end of a draw on this. I got the one who didn't know nearly as much English as the rest of them. And so this contingent of people decided they were going to take me on what they called a tourist ride. I thought, okay, maybe we'll go see some sights of Guatemala City. We kept going out and out and out, and we were in a dangerous area, it looked like to me. And being one who's situationally aware, all of my instincts were screaming at me, this is not a good place to be. And I don't even know who these people are. And then finally we stopped right in front of a city dump. And they got out and through the interpreter said, this is one of the largest city dumps in the world. <laughs> and I thought, what a memorable sight. <laughs> and then they said, now we go across the street. Went across the street. There was absolutely the biggest steel door I have ever seen. Knock. I still don't know what's going on. The door opened, and then all those children were running around in there, and so people were taking care of them. And so I asked the interpreter, I said, what is this? He said, this is kind of a nursery babysitting thing for the women up the street here who are learning domestic duties. You see, they don't know who their father is. Their children are prostitutes. And all of a sudden, my heart broke. We went up the street, and we met with the ladies, and they were learning how to, they didn't even know how to make, make a dinner or lunch or anything because they had never had to. And so they, they prepared us a meal, and and I don't handle spicy foods very well. I have a very bad case of colitis, but I ate everything they put in, my, put in front of me. It went to my stomach because I loved what they were trying to do. And I left just thinking, those little children are learning they have a heavenly father, one who will always be there to provide for them. And that is good news. A shepherd who protects us, a father who provides for us, and then if you have a kingdom, you have to have a king, a king who empowers us. If you studied at all any kind of history of the world, especially Western civilization, but yes, even true in the Asian civilizations, there have been some kind of royalty. Today, there's still in Thailand a royal Navy, royal military, royal army, royal air force. They still have a royalty. Now, it is a bit like Britain, more uh, somewhat of a figurehead, but still they're royal. In the days and the height of monarchies, of kingdoms, the king or queen 
whoever was leading the kingdom, basically owned the kingdom. And what they were doing is they were trying to gain strength for the kingdom. They were bringing everything toward them. That's what a king or a queen does. The power is centered within them, and therefore they're doing everything they humanly possible to be able to ensure that the kingdom is strong enough to withstand any enemies. And if you look in the latter part of the tenure of kings and queens, they were all related to each other in Europe, all intermarried but it didn't stop them from going to war with each other. Just look at World War I. But all of that was about gathering power. But listen to this. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, what does that mean? in light of this. Rather than trying to gather everything attention to himself, he already has it. Our God empowers us to be kingdom citizens so that we can help advance the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying, I am making you my ambassadors, my ministers of reconciliation, my witnesses, You are to testify for me. You are to share the good news for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm empowering you as kingdom citizens to go about the great commission. I'm a God who gives power, not tries to draw it to myself. That's the most liberating concept of the kingdom of God you can ever imagine is to know that the King of kings and Lord of lords who really does not need us if he didn't want to, has brought us into his kingdom, and now he's empowering us with the kingdom power through the Spirit of God to go and to share and to be testimonies of our Lord. Now, what better, what better description? A king who empowers his people. This is, this is something to celebrate in our hearts and minds. We don't have to be afraid because we know that shepherd is there providing, protecting us. We know that father is there providing for us. We know that we have a king who's empowering us. Therefore, our fears can be coped or handled, maybe overcome, simply because we focus on that great God. Let me share this with you. It's a little bit embarrassing. I was 28 years old the day I went to the First Baptist Church of Coleman, Alabama. The day I moved there, we moved there. And I grew up in a blue-collar area in in the northern part of Birmingham, and I didn't know a thing in the world about working with doctors and lawyers. I've gone to doctors, of course, as a patient, but I've never been dealing with doctors and lawyers. I've never businessmen. We were working-class people. We worked for the businessmen. So there I was in a church that was a county seat town in north central Alabama with an outsized influence just because of what it was and where it was and who they were. The first day we were there as we were having our furniture, we didn't have a whole lot coming out of that little home we were in, but the furniture is being moved. 
And everything's disrupted. I hate that. If you ever moved and anybody says, oh, I enjoyed moving, they need to check into a mental hospital. It's, it's horrible. <clears throat> but here I am. I'm in a little bit, a good bit intimidated about where I am. And I hear a knock on the door. And there stands a lady with an apple pie with ice cream on top of it. And I thought, well, back then they did that. I mean, it was called a housewarming or something like that. Now they give you a gift certificate to McDonald's. But nonetheless, <laughs> it, you, I saw her there, and I took the pie. And I'm a chocolate person, but apple pie, right then I was kind of hungry. It, it was a welcome sight. And I was about to turn in, and before the woman put her hands on her hips and said, wait a minute. And she looked like a drill sergeant. She acted like one, too. And she said, I want you to know something day one here. I don't know whether I like you. Welcome to Coleman. <laughs> well... She represented a group of people that were, they were very, very much attached to the former pastor who had retired. And here I was way into my early years. They went from that to this. And they didn't know what they had. And as I think about it, I probably would have felt the same way. But as time went on, we got kind of close. I don't know what happened, but she seemed to gravitate toward me. She still was tough, still very direct. Still didn't mind sharing her mind or opinion, whether you thought it was worthy of hearing or not. And I'll give you an illustration. She came up right before Easter, about two Sundays before Easter. She came up to me and she said, you dress like an undertaker. <laughs> now, I was younger and I was trying to dress older. I was in dark suits and you know the story. Now I'm older trying to look younger, so here I am. <laughs> So she said, I'm going to take you to buy a suit. Oh, that sounds good. But she said, I'm going to pick it out. No dark blues, no dark charcoal grays, nothing like that. No medium grays. I'm picking it out. I thought, what in the world? So I'm gravitating toward the medium grays, the dark the charcoal grays, and the, and the deep, darker blues. She's moving over here. And she came and stood before the ugliest suit I've ever seen. Let me describe it for you. It was canary yellow. <laughs> Sir, it was about like your shirt, except even more canary yellow. Now, you look good in it, but... So I stood there, and I thought, I'm wearing that on Easter Sunday? Now, back then, we had a very, very, you think about traditional church. Back then, that was pretty traditional, bordering on high church. The deacons all lined up like they were a Supreme Court in front of you. And so I'm walking out here, and I'm making my way to the pulpit area. Back then, you sat up here and looked out across there, trying to figure out who's there and what's going on. As I walk up the stairs, I heard one of them, one of the deacons say, What happened to him? And when I stood there and looked at people making a welcome, perhaps announcements, I felt like a banana waiting to be peeled. <laughs> I, I felt like the Easter bunny. Well, fast forward, I go to Tuscaloosa First Baptist, and I'm 32 then. <clears throat> and I decide first, one of the first things I'm doing as we're moving in that disruptive situation, 
I'm giving away this ugly yellow suit. And I gave it to the Goodwill. Sometimes le sometime later, I saw a man wearing it. It looked pretty good on him, <laughs> but not for me. Well, not too long after that, I get a call, and she's at UEB, the hospital. And she said, I want to talk to you, Pastor. I want to talk to you. And I walked into the room, and I could tell things were not good. And she did have terminal cancer. She still had that kind of gruff attitude, but she was a devout person. She, her husband had died when she was in her early 40s, and she raised her children by herself and led that business in a man's world by herself. And so there you had that tough exterior. But now she had a different tone of voice. She got right to the point. She said, Pastor, you know my condition. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, you know, I'm not here. I'm not going to be here long. I didn't comment. She said, I want you to know you're doing my funeral. I said, yes, ma'am. And I thought she was going to say, you got to wear that yellow suit. <laughs> she, I didn't. She didn't, thankfully. She said, wherever you are in the world, the Holy Land, Russia, on the moon, or wherever you are, you're coming back to do my funeral. I said, yes, ma'am. And I thought to myself, how in the world I'm going to do all that? I don't know where I'm going to be. Then she said something I will never forget. It's frozen in time and embedded in my mind and heart. She said, now i got to tell you I'm afraid. She did. I didn't think she'd have been afraid of anything. Oh, I'm not afraid of dying. Not at all. I'm afraid of doing it alone. I've always been alone. My husband died and I was alone. Raising those children, I was alone. Always alone. And instinctively, it just came over me. I reached out and grabbed her hand and I said, June, just as sure as I'm holding your hand, when that time comes, Jesus will take your hand and lead you into heaven. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here. When I hear people talk about death and when I think about mortality, I think about that gesture I made to her, knowing that one day, my day is coming, and it's not far off, when Jesus will take me by the hand and lead me into heaven. I have more friends there now than I do on earth. And I can tell you this, we don't have to be afraid. We have a shepherd who protects us. We have a Father who provides for us. And we have a King who empowers us. Therefore, live faithfully for Him. All these years we've known that He is good. And every, with every breath we want to sing of His goodness and greatness. But until then, we work because the night is coming when we work no more. Would you stand with me, please, in a time of prayer? <clears throat> our Father and our God, as we come to this time of response, <clears throat> personally or 
are publicly, we pray for these who have gathered, knowing that we, the uncertainties of life are always there. We, we can never, ever feel certain about much, maybe nothing. But we are certain of this one thing. You are a great God. You are a good God. And we're to be faithful to you. With every breath we sing of your goodness and greatness until there is no breath anymore. But until then, Lord, we thank you for being a shepherd who protects us, a father who provides for us, and a king who empowers us. Oh, Lord, thank you for these truths. And we embrace them. We embrace them as your sheep, as your children, as your subjects. Because, Lord, we want to live for you until the day we greet you and we look to you and hopefully hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, we pray that you'll be with this response time. Those who might need to profess faith in Jesus Christ, believe in him, trust in him with all their being. We pray this might be the day that that happens and follow like this one in baptism. We pray also for those who might be looking for a church and knowing this is a strong New Testament church, we pray for them that they might be felt led to come and be a part of this fellowship. For those who need to rededicate their lives or just simply come and pray, thanking you for your goodness and greatness, thanking you for being our shepherd, our father, and our king. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. As your staff is here, if you want to make some kind of public decision, this is an opportune time. We pray that you'll be open to the Holy Spirit's moving. Our worship leaders are going to sing, lead us in worship as we, as we face this response time. But I want to say to you, to all of you, there'll never, ever be a moment like this one. We're not guaranteed any other moment. So if you have business with God, take advantage of it right now as he calls you. You come. Trust in Jesus.
on the things that we've heard today. And the words of God shared such, such a fresh way this morning. I too now will see that verse differently. Of a God who loves us, who provides for us. 
is there to guide us. thank you that our hope is built on you and Lord I thank you for the words that we've heard today and the power of those words as we acknowledge and realize and reaffirm that you are our shepherd that you are our father that you are our king though it seems sometimes we look around and things seem to be crumbling and going through our hands but Lord you're in control and we praise you for that Lord again as we enter into this week Lord just let us look for opportunities to share hope to the hopelessness around us to share guidance for the waywardness For those who are experiencing fear and anxiety, Lord, may we be a, a balm of peace. Lord, we thank you. In name we pray. Amen. Before you go and we have our benediction, thank you again, Dr. Lance, for sharing. Um, the, the youth know my love for sheep, so I was right there with you. Uh, but thank you also for sharing your life and, and letting us laugh and letting us shed tears. Thank you for your 25 plus years of ministry. Wow. But uh, just as our benediction, before we have our benediction, John will be back. I'm so thankful for John, as Rick said, just coming in on his time off to minister to our staff and family. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy him a canary yellow suit this week because he'll be back next week. If you want to give some money to that, give it to Kim. She'll pick it out this week. <laughs> well, let's have our benediction together and let's, let's greet those around us before we go. I can't even read it anymore. <laughs> it said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Or if Paul would have been from the South, be with y'all. So uh, greet each other as you leave. Dr. Lance, thank you again. He'll be here at the front if you'd like to speak to him personally. All right, go have a good rest of the day. Youth, go do your summer reading. You got it. <laughs>